are going to do a message today on Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Maybe you didn't realize that. Maybe you saw it on a calendar somewhere. Um, Pentecost Sunday, the day of Pentecost. And so what we celebrate in the New Testament church is that this is the day the Holy Spirit came to the disciples in the upper room. But the idea of Pentecost is something that existed for thousands of years before Jesus. It was a very prominent thing in the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about that today. Now, I have a question for you as we begin. How many of you are like me that you, as a teenager, were growing up pretty regularly attending church? Like church was a part of your life as a teenager. Okay. Um, and back then, you know, I'm a little older, so back then we had Sunday morning, and it was like every, I remember even like most places were closed Sunday morning, because it was church time and you went to church, and so that's obviously not the case anymore, except for Jesus' favorite chicken, Chick-fil-A. They close on Sunday. Um, and then we had Sunday night church. How many went to Sunday night church? We had guests, speakers, and we would always have um, other, you know, services. And then we had youth group uh, during the week. So we were in church a lot. Now, as a teenager in church, you were always encouraged to invite your friends to church. My youth pastor would tell me that. My parents would tell me. My dad was the pastor. So they would tell me that. And, and I would think, yeah, that's a good idea. But I was always a little hesitant to invite my friends to church as a teenager. And there was a couple of reasons for that. One is because there's just that general angst of teenagers not wanting to put yourself out there and talk to people about Jesus, and it feels weird. And, and then other, also, in our church, there were some things that would happen where when they happened, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't invite my friends to church. And a lot of it had to do with the special music number. Now, in the old school church, we had an offertory. When we would take the offering and pass the plate, somebody would sing the special music number or perform the special music number. Special is a relative term um, with that. And so everyone would be on a rotation. So you'd have, you know, I remember there was one guy who played the acoustic guitar, an older guy, had hair not unlike mine, but he would try to rap in the middle of his special music number. And those would be one of those times. I'm like, I didn't, I'm glad I didn't invite my friends today because this is weird. Um, we had an old lady in the church named Betty, and she would be on the rotation, and she would come up with like a, a miniature harp that she would kind of wear around her neck and play the harp and sing. Now, as an older guy in church now, I'm like, that's adorable. That's awesome. I love that. I'd love to have uh, Betty come and, and sing in church. But at the moment, as a teenager, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't invite my friends to church today. Because in the, in the youth section, we'd all be just like, don't laugh, don't look at your friends, just get through this. A lot of those things happen. But the biggest reason I was, I was hesitant to invite friends to church, my church growing up, is because we were a Pentecostal church. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. So, now, our church was fairly normal in that, but there was times where there would be something, ha something would happen. Someone would start speaking in tongues, or um, I've been to other churches where maybe the flags come out and people start running around and some other, you know, some things like that. And as a teenager, you're like, I don't want to invite my friends to this because I still want to have friends after this. So, that was kind of my experience growing up. Maybe some of you relate to that. So I'm going to start this message today with some good news for all of you. You are sitting in a Pentecostal church right now. Homestead Community Church is a Pentecostal church. Our denomination, the Assemblies of God, is a Pentecostal denomination. Now, I'm going to talk about that today, 
And hopefully what we can do is talk about this in a way to take away all the weirdness, or at least most of it. We'll get a little weird near the end. Um, but for now, it's going to be pretty normal. Even the, even the definition of Pentecost. And my church was normal. My parents might be watching online today. And so I want you to know, I'm on record saying it was a pretty normal upbringing. Um, pretty normal. Um, so pen, the word Pentecostal, even, you know, we think of Pentecostal as, well, that's where they hand out the snakes and the banners and they speak in tongues all morning. The word Pentecostal really just means the root word of that penti is 50. So it's like 50th day. So when you look at the Old Testament, there was the exodus out of Egypt, like a salvation moment for the Israelites being delivered out of Egypt. And then 50 days later is when God came down on Mount Sinai, the presence of God, and gave Moses and the Israelites the law, the Ten Commandments and all the law. So it was like they had the salvation moment, and then 50 days later, God's Spirit came down and gave them everything they would need to be people of God. And so that's where, and that, since that day, thousands of years ago, the Christian community and the Jewish community has celebrated the day of Pentecost. Now, in the New Testament church, we celebrate the day where the Holy Spirit came down into the upper room we read about in the book of Acts, and that's what we're going to look at in just a minute. But that is what we talk about when we're a Pentecostal church, is that the Holy Spirit is alive and moving in his church. So we're going to look through a few verses in the New Testament, looking at who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and then how we can respond to that. Okay, so far so good, nothing weird yet. All right, John chapter 14 is where we're going to start. John chapter 14, this is the gospel of John talking about the, the ministry of Jesus. And this is getting to the end of the story in John. Jesus knows at this moment, the verses we're about to read, that he is about to go to the cross, that he is going to give his life, that he's going to rise again. We have the benefit of hindsight reading these verses. The disciples who he's talking to, don't really realize what's going on. In fact, Jesus keeps talking about how he's going to leave them. He's going to be. He's going to have to give up his life, and they never quite get it. But this is what Jesus is teaching them in John chapter fourteen. I'm going to read John chapter fourteen, verse sixteen and seventeen. It says this, and this is Jesus teaching his disciples. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Advocate. Remember that word, Advocate, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. I want you to remember that as well, that he will be in you. This is Jesus introducing the Holy Spirit to the disciples. They don't quite get it yet, but he is saying, I'm going to be leaving, and another advocate is going to come. The presence of God is going to come in. And unlike with Jesus, where the Spirit of God is with the disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and the Spirit of God is going to be in the disciples, in the followers of Jesus. That's pretty great. All right, a few verses later, verse 26, Jesus is continuing. And he's still talking about the Holy Spirit here. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, there's that word again, advocate. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So that's another indication of what the Holy Spirit does. It reminds people of the teachings of Jesus. It draws people to Christ-likeness. The disciples, like us, would need reminding. And they're like, oh, that's right. Jesus did talk about that. This is one of the things the Holy Spirit does for us. It reminds us and draws us to the teachings of Jesus. Uh, a couple chapters, or actually, yeah, two chapters later, John 16, verse 7 and 8, another example of some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. John 16, verse 7 and 8. 
But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Jesus is saying to the disciples, again, I'm going away and it's for your good. And the disciples would have strongly disagreed in the moment. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is convict. Convict of sin for us, for people, all people. This is one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convict our hearts so that we know what we're doing is not right. What we're doing is tearing us away from our relationship with God. Again, the role of the Holy Spirit is to draw us close to Jesus. One of the ways he does that is by convicting us of our sin. If you're praying for a lost family member who is far away from the Lord this morning, what you're praying is, Holy Spirit, get them, right? That's what you're praying, like convict of sin. Let them realize that they are far from you. There's, there's so often that we're wandering through sin and we're just blind to it and we don't recognize it. And we need the Holy Spirit in that person to just soften their hearts, open their eyes, convict them of sin. This is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. Now, a couple pages later in your Bible, in the book of Acts. Now, this is after, the book of Acts is after Jesus died and rose again. And the start of the book of Acts is when Jesus is meeting with his disciples and his followers after he has risen from the dead, but before he has ascended to heaven. And Jesus is alive and with his disciples, and he is um, talking to them in the book of Acts, chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 6 through 8. And this is the disciples gathering around Jesus. Verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There is a lot in those verses. And I want to start with the disciples' question. Jesus, you preached and you ministered and then you died. And the disciples in that moment, I'm going to, you know, imagine the roller coaster of emotions for the disciples over the last several days, right? They thought Jesus was the Messiah. They're following him. They're give, they've given their lives to follow him. And then he dies on a cross. And they're like, oh, guess we were wrong, right? The movement is over. This thing is dead. And then he arose from the grave. And they're like, yes, we're back on. Like, and now he didn't stay dead. And now we know this really is something. And then he says, and I'm going to leave you now. And they're, they're like, no, don't do it. And right after these words, he ascends to heaven. And I imagine the disciples are like, no, no, don't don't go, Jesus. We just had a good thing going here. And now the disciples are on their own. But this is what Jesus is saying. And their question to Jesus there, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That is a question that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of history leading up to it. Now, if you read in the Old Testament, it was the nation of Israel for a long time through all the kings. But then what happened near the end of the book of like the first and second kings and first and second chronicles, what happens to Israel? They get conquered by Babylon and they get sent into exile. From that moment on, Israel was not a nation. Israel did not have a national authority. They were under the rule of the Babylonian Empire and then the Assyrian Empire and then the Persian Empire, and then the Roman Empire. So, all, And that's what was ruling over Israel when Jesus walked the earth, the Roman Empire. So when the disciples are saying, I bet now we're going to restore the kingdom to Israel, it's 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, clearly this is what the Messiah came to do, is get our nation back. And, uh, and they're also saying, because Israel was kind of the center of the Jewish world, the center of faith, where we're going to restore Israel and we're going to restore the temple and everybody's going to come back to Israel like we used to do. Everyone's going to come to Israel and have their faith in God. And Jesus is saying to them, that's not what I'm here to do. It's not for you to understand how God's going to work. But here's what's going to happen, is the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to receive power to be my witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, not only in Judea and Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. It's like Jesus is saying, it's not about restoring this thing to have people come to Israel. It's about taking this movement around the world, and you're going to receive power to do that. So... In all these verses I read, we get an indication of what the Holy Spirit does. He is an advocate for us. That word advocate, what's an advocate? Somebody who comes alongside of you and helps you. Someone who fights on your behalf. A helper, a counselor. Now, we, in our house, our son Charlie was born premature, 21 years ago. He was born 12 weeks early. He had some pretty serious first couple of weeks of health complications so not only were we in shock from all of like having a baby 12 weeks before we thought we were, then there's all the health complications and what his, what's his life going to look like? And then there's all the things with the hospital and specialists and everything else that we somehow had to figure out. And we were completely overwhelmed in that moment. And then a social worker showed up and said, okay, I understand this and I know what you're feeling here and I know this is difficult. Here's what you need to do here. We've got this covered. This has been set up. You need to apply for that. And just walked us through everything. And I can't tell you what a relief that was for Christy and I to have an advocate in that moment, someone who knew what they were doing, someone who could help us, someone who had the power to do things on our behalf. That was a miracle. This I love that the Scripture calls the Holy Spirit that. Someone who comes alongside of you and says, okay, I know this is overwhelming and difficult, but I got you. I'm going to give you direction. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you guidance. I'm going to do the things that you need to have happen. This is what the Holy Spirit, the presence of God coming and dwelling in us does. He convicts us of sin. He draws people to Jesus. He helps us remember the things that Jesus taught. He helps us live out our faith to empower us to fulfill the Great Commission. He gives us power to do the things for Jesus that we are called to do. Some of you might be new to church and you're thinking, I'm just checking the box of church. I'm just showing up and then I'm leaving. The whole thing with the faith of Jesus Christ is it is a commission that we have been given to go into the world and preach the gospel. And I love that he says in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, it starts in your Jerusalem. It's not we all got to go to Jerusalem. It starts where you're at. That's what Jesus is saying. Our Jerusalem is here. It's your school, it's your workplace, it's your community, it's your neighborhood. And then we go out from there, and we go out from there. So the verse is, you have, I'm going to give you power through the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Farmington and in Minnesota and all around the country and around the world. This is our mission as the church, and the Holy Spirit gives us everything we need. So here's to sum it up. The Holy Spirit gives us everything we need to fully live for Jesus. That's the whole summation of this message. The Holy Spirit gives us everything we need to fully live for Jesus. Gives us direction, gives us conviction, gives us supernatural ways that the Holy Spirit moves through us. It causes us to be more like Jesus. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is God's presence in the earth. When Jesus ascended to heaven 
and the Holy Spirit came, that was God's presence on the earth. Now, no longer was God's presence just only in the temple, only in the Holy of Holies or in a building. And no longer was God's anointing only on the prophet or on the king or on the other godly anointed people like it was in the Old Testament. Now it's God's presence not only in all the earth, but dwelling in us. Holy Spirit dwelling in us. I like to think of it this way. When we think of going to heaven, a lot of us have this idea of, well, I'm going to find, you know, I'm going to find Noah. I'm going to find out what that was like, or I'm going to find Peter. Can you explain that? Or all these things, all these people that saw these great miracles, right? I like to think of it this way. Those people are going to be coming to find you and say, tell me what it was like to have the presence of God in you. They never experienced that, right? They had to go to the temple. To do. They're like, the presence of God in you? Tell me about that. That's the really amazing thing, right? So this is what the Holy Spirit does. And this is big. This is big. The presence of God in us. So Acts chapter 2. This is when the arrival of the Holy Spirit is written down in Scripture. Acts chapter 2. Because Jesus ascends to heaven, and then the disciples and all the followers of Jesus wait. So right then, there really is no movement. There is no Christian church really right then. They're just waiting. They don't know what to do. And this really, why we celebrate the Sunday of Pentecost, is really it's the beginning of the Holy Spirit church, the church of Jesus Christ. This is what happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. When the day of Pentecost came, so the day of Pentecost that they had been celebrating for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years... When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. I'm going to stop there for a minute. So the Holy Spirit comes on the people in the upper room. They are filled with the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in another language. And you're thinking right now, okay, here's where we get a little weird, right? Here's the whole, when you talk to someone, when I talk to people about a Pentecostal church, often what they'll say is, oh, they're speaking in tongues church. And I'm like, yes. Amen. But this is what it ha- this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, I love I'm going to kind of uh, geek out Bible nerd moment for a minute. Okay? So, I love that it happened on the day of Pentecost. There's great symbolism there. Um, so we talked about the Old Testament. It was the Exodus out of Egypt happened on the Passover. That's when the Passover started. The salvation moment, the blood of the lamb caused Uh, the angel of death to overlook the Israelites and they were allowed to go free. So the Passover started and it was like a salvation moment for Israel in the Old Testament. And then 50 days later, the presence of God comes down and gives the law, gives the people of Israel everything they would need to follow God and to be God's people. Now you've got the New Testament. Jesus died and rose on Passover weekend. It's that salvation moment, just like the Israelites. And then 50 days later on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down, giving us everything we need to follow Jesus. I love the connection there, right? Bible nerd stuff. But anyways, I love that stuff. 50 days later, that's where we get Pentecost. But today when we talk about Pentecostal, we do talk about that. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. And this is where we read about it happening. This is why we celebrate Pentecost Sunday like we are today. 
So what happens to us? What does this mean for us? Now, we want to be open to the Holy Spirit, and some of you are like, I ain't doing any of those things, and right now you're already nervous because you think we're going to lock the doors and not only hand you a kid, but also, you know, get you speaking in tongues, right? That was a big day at church. What happens on this? What does it mean to be Pentecostal? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So I'm going to read some passages from uh, the New Testament. We've got a couple minutes left. We're going to talk about this. There's gifts of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the Spirits. And to another, speaking in various tongues. And still to the other, the interpretation of tongues. All of these work of one and the same Spirit who appoints them to each as he determines. So one of the things that we believe is when the Holy Spirit fills us or when we are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit is we begin to see these gifts of the Spirit. Now, this would be supernatural things. Now, it's not like really crazy, like weird, um, stranger things type stuff. This is just supernatural moments where the Holy Spirit is working through us. For, for example, if you've ever had a moment, Christy and I have had these moments, lots of people in the room have had these moments where you're talking to someone and I'll just sense, I'm supposed to ask to pray for them about a specific thing. And I mention it to them and I say, I feel like God is telling me to pray for you about this. And they'll be like, how did you even know about that? That's the moving of the Holy Spirit. Again, nothing creepy and obviously for the benefit of that person to draw them closer to Jesus. Can you imagine feeling lost and burdened by something you're going through and a follower of Jesus who's filled with the Holy Spirit comes up and says, I feel like God is speaking to you that this is going to turn out okay and now I'm going to pray for you. That, of course, is going to open their eyes. I have a slide up. Can we throw that slide of just what those gifts of the Spirit are, those list of words? This is what... um, Corinthians said, and it's wisdom and knowledge where the Holy Spirit will give you insight into somebody's life that you wouldn't have any idea about. Faith, healing, miracles, the idea of supernatural faith or praying for people and seeing them healed. Prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. These are moments where you feel the Holy Spirit moving through you in a way that is beyond your earthly abilities, okay? Again, a little weird, but not super creepy, right? This is just the power of God moving through you for the glory of God and for the, the benefit of the person that you are ministering to, right? It's an amazing thing to feel like the presence of God is moving through you to help somebody get closer to Jesus. That's amazing. What an honor. These are some of the manifestations or evidences. Um, and so there's times where we will... There, there was a time a few weeks ago where there was a visitor to our church who said, uh, came and talked to Christy afterwards and said, I feel like God's given me a word for you. Now, that can be weird at times because I've, I've been in the church my whole life. There's been lots of times where people come up and say, God is speaking to me about you and you need to listen to your mother more. And well, it's probably good. It was my mother actually saying that. No, there's times where, I mean, I've been in church services where people are giving a message from the Lord and it's the drums are too loud or they are an abomination, right? And I'm like, okay, that's not really accurate. But there are times, this this lady came 
And, uh, and she spoke to Christy and said, I feel like God gave me a word for you. And she spoke three things. And for us, we've gone back to that several times. Like, I feel like God s- started something in our heart because that person was obedient to share what the Holy Spirit was speaking to us through her. That's amazing. That's amazing. This is what God wants to do in each of us. Pentecostal means we believe that the Holy Spirit is active. I want to talk about speaking in tongues for just a minute, okay? This is where a lot of people are like, I ain't doing that or that's weird. When we see in context in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came and they began to speak in other tongues, what was happening? They were speaking in other languages or they were speaking in a language that was being interpreted by all the visiting people because people from all over the world were in Jerusalem that day because it was the festival or the Feast of Pentecost. They were celebrating that. And everybody from all the different nations heard the voice of the people speaking in tongues in their own language. That's cool because if you're a disciple in that moment and you've been given the mission to go into all the world to preach the gospel, probably the first thing you're going to say is, we can't do that. We don't have the ability to do that. We don't even speak the language. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes and they're speaking in a heavenly language that is being heard by all the different languages. That moment, it's just, again, the Holy Spirit saying, you have everything you need to fulfill the Great Commission. The Holy Spirit is giving you everything you need. I've been in environments where people were praying for someone in another nation, and they were praying in tongues, and it sounded like babbling to earthly ears, but the person said later that they heard it in their own language. Again, it's, it's God breaking down any hindrances that we have for fulfilling the Great Commission, the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. Now, we also see in the New Testament there is praying in tongues or a prayer language. So I'll just give you my experience. There was a time where I was a teenager and I was praying and I was asking God for everything he had for me and I just felt kind of this like overflow is the better way I can, the best way I can put it. And I just began to speak out in what sounded like babbling. Now what we see in the scripture is that that is what, what is referred to as the Holy Spirit interceding for us. So what I believe I was doing then is just praying in a way that I wasn't hindered by trying to come up with the right words. So I was just praying in a way that sounded like just weird noises. I'm not going to demonstrate right now because that'd be super weird, even though that's what you're all thinking right now, aren't you? And so I just praying, and what I was believing in my heart was this is the Holy Spirit praying for me. Have you ever been in a moment where you don't know what to pray for? You're like, this is, I don't even have the words right now. I believe that this is a gift that we have to just pray without the hindrance of trying to figure out what to say right? And so I think one of the things that happens is when we feel that kind of filling up with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a time where, there's going to be times where you feel like God is saying, speak to this person about this. Go and pray for this person. They're going to get healed. There's going to be times where you have a moment where you're like, I'm discerning that this isn't right. Like there's a, there's a spirit involved here that is not of God, all these things. And then there's going to be a time, I believe, that you're going to feel kind of this filling up of just prayer or praise or thanksgiving, and you're just not really going to have the words to contain it. In that moment, I encourage you, you're feeling weird right now, I know, but just encourage you just to start speaking out, and it might sound weird. And in faith, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I believe that what you're doing through your spirit is just interceding for me. This is a beautiful thing. Again, this is the things that we need to live the life of faith. Galatians chapter 5 also talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and we don't have a lot of time for that, but Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the general ways that the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, comes into our life 
and just begins to make us more like Jesus. In other words, when you're a Christ follower, you should change. You shouldn't just be the same person. You should be growing in all of these areas, and this is what the Holy Spirit does. It makes us more like Jesus. So there's lots of debate in the church world about what this looks like. Does the Holy Spirit come to us when we get saved? And yes, when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. The presence of God is in you. Is there another baptism of the Holy Spirit? I've experienced that where there was a separate time where I just felt like the Holy Spirit was kind of coming on me in a new way or it was kind of overflowing. Um, now, we can debate about all these things or are the gifts of the Spirit, you know, um, was it just for the apostles? I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active and that is how God is moving through his church. But all of these things, what do we take away from this? How do we approach this? In all of the debate and disagreement about this, here's what I want us to take away. All we need to do is to just be open and obedient, right? We live open-handed and open hearts to Jesus, and we say, God, I want everything you have for me. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Fill me up with everything I need to follow you and to live an effective life for Jesus. And then in those moments, when we feel like maybe we're supposed to act or do something, then we need to obey. And you might feel weird. There was a time where I was in an airport and I was in the gift shop and there was a lady working behind the cash register and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to talk to her. I'm like, oh man. And you're, you know, if you're like me, you're like, okay, give me five more signs that this is you, Lord, and not just. But, and then she must have, it must have been break time or she must have been done. So she started walking out of the gift shop and walking down the hallway. And I was like, you know what? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? So I went up to her and I just said, hey, I feel like God wants me to tell you something that you are loved, that he has called you, that there is value on your life, and that he is working in all areas of your life. And she smiled, and she said, thank you. And then I said, have a great day. <laughs> and then I walked. I didn't wait for the, like, what's going to happen now? Like, something's fire's going to fall from heaven or something right now. I just walked away. Now, in that moment, I said, now, was that just of me, or was that the Holy Spirit? I believe it was the Holy Spirit, just for whatever reason, this young lady needed to hear that God was with her and for her. But even if it wasn't, it was just a guy coming up and encouraging some person, right? So what's the worst that's going to happen, right? I want to encourage us. The more we are obedient in those moments where we feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, the more we are obedient, the more we're going to get used to hearing the voice of God. There's going to be times in your life where you're like, I wish God would just tell me. This is how we learn how to recognize the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We just respond. We're open. We obey, right? We can do this. This is the New Testament church. We have a mission to reach our world, and we're going to do it only through the power of the Holy Spirit, giving us everything we need to follow Jesus in every area of our life. Amen? So as we close today, let's pray. And maybe you want to do this. Let's just open up our hands as a symbol of saying, God, I want everything you have for me. I want everything you have for me. I open my heart. I open my hands to you. Holy Spirit, come and fill us up with everything we need. And we will obey. We will respond. We want to be used by you to make a difference in our world. And we thank you that you would use us to go into all the world. Having the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God moving through us. You've given us this way to, to pray in a way that is that allows the Holy Spirit just to intercede on our behalf. You've given us ways that you can speak to us and we can speak prophetically over people's lives. You've given us the Holy Spirit so that in every area of our life we can become more like Jesus and make a difference in our world. 
Help us to move past this kind of complacent spectator faith and have the Holy Spirit fill us up so that we can go and change the world to the glory of God. This is what we want to be a part of. So we're open-handed, and we just ask that you would fill us up with everything we need. Fill us up with everything you have for us, and we will respond. So just in your hearts today, just say amen to that. Just say, yes, Lord, I, I'm, I'm open to everything you have for me, and I will respond to you. So, Lord, I pray that you would continue to build your church and do it through us, empowered by the Holy Spirit in every way. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, Homestead Church, for joining us today. We're glad you were with us. Have a wonderful day. If you need someone to pray with you, there will be prayer teams up front. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.